0: There are pots of money. They stay in the owner's pockets like that. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. They, they just mean, stay got, there. You got your boy, uh, what's the earth say? He talking about bringing a whale across the country for 20 oh million. I'm like, yeah. if you won't pay your boy, you won't pay your bell cow, but we want to bring the fish and, and relocate him.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Chasing It on the Thirty Thirteen. Trey Wingo here with Chase Daniel. Chase, it is uh, the Halloween season. We'll get into all of that a little bit later. You're in the spin cycle right now, right? You have three kids, right?
2: We got we three, three kids. We got Preston, six, who's a, who's a, our boy, and we have two girls, Parker, who's three and a half, and Ashton, who's two. And I mean, just dude, today they woke up. And it was like their Super Bowl, man. It was like, yeah. we get candy, we get to go trick or treating, we get to do all yeah. this stuff. So my mind is just like, I haven't even yeah. looked at the rundown. We're just going to wing it right here because I just know, I just know, but it's just like, it's Halloween. It is yeah. a parent's worst nightmare. However, yeah. a kid's favorite holiday. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, like Preston,
1: Parker, and Ashton.
2: Yeah. Yep. My that's God, fantastic. Take them to the
1: Yacht fantastic. Club for supper after all their candy. <laughs> yeah. Great job. And uh, You know, we were going to go with three
2: Ps, but Ashton, yeah. Ashton got left out. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I am rocking the Ricky Bobby hat. I piss excellence. Nice. And that's what yeah. I was for yeah. the adult Halloween party, which, by the way, is the first time I've ever gotten to go to a Halloween party because I've always been playing football. And it was actually yeah. excellent. I enjoyed it. Good.
1: Uh, I'm glad for you. I stopped uh, dressing up when I was 23 because I'm not a stupid kid oh, anymore. But that's a separate issue entirely. Separate yes. issue entirely. I just played my old man card. Shut up. All yeah. right, here we go. Yeah. Um, all right. So we're sort of at the halfway of the season. right? It's impossible to get a full halfway because it's now 17 games, 18 weeks. But we're, we're at that sort of middle where we should know what we know. And I think there's two teams that I still think are going to be in the mix of it when it's all said and done. But as we're heading in to week nine of the season, which sounds crazy that this is the last single-digit week of the season. What? are Are there real levels of concern for you for San Francisco and Kansas City? Let's start with San Francisco first
2: that's a great question and for me i would say my level of concern for san francisco is a little bit higher than for the chiefs and we'll get to the chiefs later but for san francisco it becomes hey you start five and 0 you're all world beaters brock purdy had throw nine touchdowns no interceptions take the last three games zero and three five interceptions and when i actually look at the play of brock purdy in that offense it's hard to put it all on them what the yeah. big difference for me has been, has been that defense. And you were the first one to say it. And that, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I've watched, like, literally, you cannot tell me because I know what I'm seeing 14 years in the league. And I've watched every single snap offensively from the last three games that Brock Purdy has played. And he gets so much crap about hey you shouldn't have done that he shouldn't have done that. he played in a really rainy wet game that he oh by the way he uh ended up uh, a two-minute drive down a chance to 40-yard chance to Gave win. him a chance yeah. to win okay and then and then the next week you know they concussion minnesota perfect storms he's driving them down but i promise you i'm telling you and i've said this the first three quarters of that game other than the last six throws of that game, he had the best game, in my opinion, that he's played as a pro. Like, not even close. Making throws, I haven't seen some of these Hall of Fame quarterbacks make, okay? On time, in rhythm, accurate, got concussed. We saw that. We covered it on the uh, on the quarterback sneak. Okay, next next six throws, two interceptions, okay? It happens. But when you go to this last game, I just really liked the Bengals defensive game plan they played base defense almost the entire game and that gave them the opportunity to have eight in the box versus the run which they sort of shut down the run game and then also they would end up dropping those ends and just rush the three interior guys so they'd have eight in coverage when they would drop back yes he made some poor decisions yes like kyle shanahan said that one in the red zone was a backbreaker it's 17 10 you're supposed to hand the ball off he made the absolute wrong read he tried to shovel it to uh, George Kittle, ended up throwing an interception. Great play by, by, that, by that linebacker, by the way. But then it just sort of compounded. He hit his head again. Look, at the end of the day, you got to make more plays on defense because that's what you built around, and you got to run the ball more. you got to protect Brock Purdy. Build around yeah. the defense, run the ball. They're on bye. I think they're going to come back and be just fine, but I'm a little bit worried about that team right now. Well, let's, let's talk about the defense, right? Because that's the
1: hallmark of this team. As you said, look, Brock Purdy is is good and the offensive line is great, and but this team is built on that defense, getting to the quarterback and creating opportunities for that offense, okay? The players are still there. The same players basically are there. In fact, they've probably upgraded a little bit with some of the players, some of the picks they've gotten. The change has been... D'Amico Ryans has gone from being the D.C. the last couple of years, taking over for Robert Sala when he left to be the Jets head coach. Now D'Amico is running things in Houston. And Steve Wilkes is now uh, the defensive coordinator. And you know he came out and said after the Minnesota game, that's on me. I shouldn't have had uh, a zero blitz coverage on the last, potentially the last snap of the half, which allowed that uh, touchdown to, to, to go for Minnesota, which really turned things over. But if you watch that San Francisco-Cincinnati game, it felt like for the most part, Cincinnati knew where the pressure was coming from. So if the players are still there, Chase, and the only thing that's changed is the guy orchestrating the players, what and the results
2: aren't there, what's that level of frustration like inside the locker room? It's got to be really frustrating, especially when you know you have the players. And I'm not necessarily putting on Steve Wilkes in the scheme. And, and you saw Kyle Shanahan was like, hey, during bye week, we're going to have a conversation about Wilkes moving from the booth to the field. Like, to me, like, that is just like an excuse. That's not going to change how you dressing. see the game. It's complete window dressing. And then, and then, honestly, like, the way Shanahan called out Steve Wilkes on the Minnesota game. Like, he knows better. He shouldn't i have... I've never, I've never seen a head coach call out his DC in the media on a national televised game like that. Okay, so there seems to be sort of some type of, like, mistrust there. I don't know what's going on, but with if you're a player in that locker room, you look at it and eventually, like, you just be like, hey, like, look, like, we got to get this stuff going. Like, like Steve Wilkes, it's not all on you. You can't call every single perfect play. Like, we got to make the best. And you hear, you know... Uh, Fred Warner, one of the best linebackers in the game, he says all the time, like, we just got to go out there and make plays. And that's the thing that I worry about this defense is, yes, if you can control their pass rush, because that is what they are built around. Do not make any mistake about it. If you control their pass rush, there's a lot of holes down the field. Okay, it's not like they're just playing man-to-man. They play like one or two coverages. And is it a point in time where maybe – Just maybe teams are starting to understand what they're doing and trying to find the holes in that coverage and are actually ending up blocking them better. To me, when they play fast and when they harass the quarterback up front, that's when they play well. When they have to be able to cover for two and a half, three seconds, it's no bueno. All
1: right, as we're doing this, the trade deadline at taping this, the trade line is approaching. Uh, We're going to have Ari Myrov on a little bit later to break down some of the deals. But this just happened, Chase, so let's talk about it. (laughs) The Cardinals, Cardinals who last week just benched Josh Dobbs, uh, are now trading Josh Dobbs to Minnesota. Obviously, Minnesota has to deal with the Kirk Cousins ramifications, the Achilles out for the year. What's your immediate reaction when you see that Josh Dobbs is going to the Vikings?
2: Well, honestly, it just gives them starting experience, right? Like like you look at that quarterback room and you look at the rookie and then they got Nick Mullins and they got some other guys on practice squad. To me, it's like, hey, Josh Dobbs, come in, sit a couple of weeks and just try to take us to the promised land because if you look and we've talked about we you look at their schedule, okay? It's very winnable, and honestly, like it was a blow – for Minnesota, obviously, to have Kirk Cousins go down with the torn Achilles. And you could just tell Kevin O'Connell, KFC, in like how much he missed and how much he thought of Kirk Cousins. And so for this, to me, it gives a little bit of veteran experience. I was hoping they may have gone out and traded for Jameis Winston, brought right. in a Colt McCoy who was with them, maybe a Case Keenum going back to Minnesota Miracle. So to me, this, this is interesting because – we had actually broken it down, and Josh Dobbs had actually been playing pretty decent for the most part. So Josh Dobbs— Up until like last week. You, up until last week, but you go to the Browns, and then you go to the Cardinals. You get two weeks to start there, then the Cardinals trade. Like, you're all over the place, but my gosh, I mean, he must be thought of very highly in that organization for you to just be able to trade. Because I guarantee you, you don't make this move and not make him the starter.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's exactly right. Like, it, it might not be right away, but you're making this move with the idea that, okay, uh, we've seen enough of you to think that what with what we have, you, you can sort of get us where we think we still have the potential to go. And Minnesota's in the worst position of any team in the world, Gosh. right? Because you, you never want to be in no man's land with your quarterback. And that's sort of where they are. Like, they knew uh, going into this season that Kirk was probably going to be his last year there, and if they, they were going to ride it out. Well, then Kirk gets hurt, right? And he's done for the year. And now they're in this sort of okay, do we think about bringing Kirk back? Do we do fire sale mode now because this season we really need to build for the future? Like, to me, the Vikings are in the one place you never want to be as a franchise
2: when you have a quarterback plan that's like, I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I just it's just it's a tough spot, and I'm, I'm I'm searching my phone as you're talking all this because I'm like, what else can we break on this show? And it's just like, yeah, the Vikings. I mean, it just it just seems like, and then you know, big hunters out there too, like like their pass rusher, yeah. like that's to me is like as trade then approaches, like is he going to be? He's leading. He's like one of the top guys in the league in sacks, and just all this stuff going on. This is a fun show to do, but it's just like at the end of the day, the Vikings are in a bad spot because like, what do you do? Like with yeah. Kirk Cousins, like like I know he's got a long recovery ahead, but all this stuff, there's a bunch of questions going forward, and it's like, hey, can Jaron Hall take over? Is he ready? Probably not. Like they got Nick Mullins coming to fire You got Josh. It's just, I mean, I would not want to be the head coach for the Minnesota Vikings right now, trying to figure out all this.
1: Yeah, and the head coach might be getting one thing from the general manager and everybody else like, hey, that's cool, but let's think about this. So that's, yep. that's sort of where we are in Minnesota. We'll have Ari Myrov come on uh, and help us break down some of the trades a little bit later. But we mentioned San Francisco. We have to mention Kansas City. Their 16-game uh, winning streak against Denver over uh, Patrick Mahomes. The first time he's had a road loss. Uh, as a starting quarterback in his own division, he had been 16 and 0. He'd never lost to a team under 500 before. Wow. So a lot of things snap. So there's two there's two ways to look at this, right? Uh, and I'm I think the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. One way is okay, it was a snow, it was a cold weather game. Patrick Mahomes had the flu. It's hard to beat someone 17 straight times. It's yeah. an anomaly. Yes. You know, all, all these things are true. They had five turnovers. They're not normally going to do that. You know, nobody's nobody's going 17-0 and or, you know, that's not happening. So, okay, maybe that's – there's another way to look at it. Okay, Um, the Chiefs' defense played great, except for, like, one drive. The the same problems that we've seen at times crop up for Kansas City are there. Outside of Travis Kelsey, who does he trust? Sky Moore had a fourth and two play for a touchdown that was perfectly thrown – Dropped in his hands. Marquez Valdez-Scanling had a fumble. Uh, you know, Kadarius Tony did nothing. Uh, Rasheed Rice, who's made some strides, had a drop, a, a play that could have been a touchdown. So th- there, there's two camps. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They're going to be fine. Or these are the same problems we're seeing from Kansas City and their wide receiving core. Where
2: are you on this? Well, Michael Hardman, forgot him. Muff punt. That, Muff that the a punt inside the too. five. Like, You're exactly right. And rec- he tweeted, I cost him the game. Yeah. yeah, receiver. Yeah, room. and 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 at this, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. I'm not overreacting on it. I am a little bit. I don't know if worried is the right word. I'm intrigued to see how they're going to fix the receiver room because if you look overall, they are like top like the worst like 20 and below in every category in that receiver room. And they're up there in drops too. And you talk about the sky more drop. I mean, I mean to tell you, like when I watched that live, like it, it was an absolute dime. Like you have to make these catches perfect ball over top. There's no one back there. I mean, and it's just like at the end of the day, these receivers need to get their confidence up. And, and I don't know how much more, Patrick Mahomes can do because he can't go out there, throw it and catch it. Right. Like he can't do that. Obviously. Well, it it sounds like someone has said that before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who it is.
2: I wonder who it is. So like, and you said it before too. It's like, (laughs) Dude, the Chiefs are the only team that can beat the Chiefs. When you have five turnovers on the road yeah. and it's a cold yeah. game, it's, it's a perfect like, storm, like, of course you're going to lose. But you even said it. What's the stat? I don't want to take it from you, but like, yeah. they're really bad in October. But looking forward, what, like, what, the last two Novembers and Decembers.
1: Yeah, listen, historically in the month of October is the worst month in, since Patrick Holmes has been the starter where the Chiefs sort of play with their food, right? They sort of mess around. They got out of October with only one loss. The last two years, the last two seasons, rather, once the calendar hit November 1st, the ch- in November, December, and January, in the regular season, the Chiefs have exactly two losses. Two, both of those losses were in Cincinnati. So yeah. this is the time of the year where the Chiefs finally say, all right, let's, let's quit fucking around, and let's, let's yeah. sort of get it together. But, you know, and, and this sounds weird, because Juju has done nothing. In, in New England. Like he's done next to yeah. nothing. He finally had his first touchdown catch this past week. But at least he was a veteran that understood yeah. where he needed to be. And that seems to be the one thing that's missing this year. Look, the last before this game, the last two games, Patrick Mahomes threw for almost 800 yards and completed 75% of his passes and yeah. had like five touch like so it's it's not like it, it's been a four-game stretch of this. It's been just <laughs> sort of fits and starts, you know. But I will say this. Suddenly this game with uh, Miami in Frankfurt, Germany, has a lot of attention on it. Because the Bengals, we just saw, are starting to look like Cincinnati again. And this this year the Chiefs get the the Bengals in in Kansas City, not in Cincinnati. Um, Miami has played well against bad teams and bad against good teams. Suddenly this game in Germany is really interesting and I I think it's a litmus test not only for Miami but also for Kansas City to prove once again we are still the baddest guys on the block.
2: Well, and look, and it, that's exactly what Andy Reid said after the game in Denver. He's like, look, we made a ton of mistakes that we normally don't make. We got to go back to the drawing board, fix what we move, and move on. And I promise you, the way that they're moving on this week, it's a short week. Like they fixed it on Monday, and they're on to Miami Tuesday, and they got to go overseas a long flight on Thursday. Okay. And, and And I'm excited for this game. Like the whole world, like the world will be watching with this type of. Um, matchup. Now, it's going to be 6.30 a.m. Pacific time for me, so I got to get up early to watch, but you better believe I'm going to be watching this game, and not only is it a big game for the Chiefs just as a team, but standing-wise in the AFC, you got Miami, and then you have old Cincinnati right here that looks to be playing a whole lot better because they have a healthy Joe Burrow, so a huge game on all accounts for the Chiefs. What do you expect
1: from the Chiefs wide receivers then? Because that's the thing. Like we, know, we know the defense. I think the defense is going to hold its own against Miami. I believe that. We, we've seen good defenses sort of keep uh, Miami's high power offense down where they can stay in the game, right? I think, uh, I think Chris Jones, Karloftis, all those guys, Willie Gay, I, and Amenahue back. I think, they're, I think they're going to hold their own. The question is now, what do we expect out of this Chiefs wide receiver room where Watson or somebody's got to step up? Someone has to go up and say, hey, we're going to have to score because we can hold Miami maybe to 24, but we need
2: 28. Well, that's the expectation, right, is to, to go out there and make plays. Like, like make plays as they come to you. Don't go out there, and Andy Reid said it perfectly at the end of the game, Um on Sunday was like, don't go out there and chase plays. He felt like guys were chasing plays, trying to do too much. Like, you have the best quarterback in probably the history of the game. Like, he's going to make throws to you. Just catch the football. That's all you have yeah. to do. Like, what is the number one thing at receiver? Catch the football. And they block a little bit, whatever. But catch the ball. Like, don't do anything else. I don't even care if you have many like, yak yards or rack yards or anything like that. Like, go in there. Catch the football, make plays that are given to you. Don't chase plays and trust that you have an offense and a quarterback that is going to get you right because that's what Patrick Mahomes do. He makes everyone around him better. And it's, it's like, dude, nine, nine games in, eight games in, and you're still struggling to trust your receivers. Like to me, it's a problem. I don't think it's going to compound. I think they'll eventually get on the same page, but they're running out of time.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's critical. And their, their situation, look, they have a lot of uh, AFC West games left, which helps their schedule, including the Raiders, who are an absolute mess. But they've got to play some big boys. They're going to have to play Buffalo, although Buffalo's been up and down. They have to play Cincinnati. like They have to play Philadelphia, uh, You know, a rematch, of, a rematch of the Super Bowl. They're, so their schedule yeah. gets a lot tougher uh, starting this week uh, with the game in Frankfurt. Speaking of schedules, as crazy as it sounds, uh, by the end of Week Nine, the Dallas Cowboys could be in first place in the NFC East as they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia gutted out another win over the Commanders on Sunday. Jalen Hurts clearly is limping. I don't care what he says, the Eagles oh. say you could see it every time he's running up to the yeah. line of scrimmage or, or to catch the play. He is clearly limping on that knee. But they found a way to win, came back and win. Uh, but this game is in Dallas. The Dallas Cowboys have the longest home winning streak in the NFL at 11 straight. They pounded the Rams. They got another defensive touchdown. They have four more than any other team in the NFL. They also blocked a a punt for a safety. Um, What to make of this matchup? Because this this is a real test for Dallas. But in many ways, it's also the beginning of a real test for Philadelphia.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, this is, in my opinion, easily, other than the, the KC Miami game, this is the game of the week, right? Like, yeah. you got two NFC powerhouses that this, they're going to look back at this game and be like, hey, this game um, really did one of two things. It either propelled our team to possibly a number one seed in the NFC or, or we're on the road for the playoffs. And so this is, for me, it, it, it's, it, you go back to it. And, and, and the story of the game, for me, <clears throat> it starts and ends with Dak Prescott, versus Jalen Hurts who is going to make the most plays and who is going to make the least amount of mistakes because honestly both defenses are really good both I mean, offenses are really good and and you got to imagine like Dallas feels I know it's the Rams team but Dallas feels really good about the way they are playing like I would say their trajectory is going on the up and up where the Eagles look I know Jalen Hurts still amazing game like I think through for four touchdowns AJ Brown is an probably the best receiver in the national football league we'll, we'll six games in national football yeah. yeah like all all this stuff record all this stuff but it's at the end of the day it's just like good old like they both these teams love smash mouth football like at the end of the day they pride themselves on physicality so it's gonna be a physical ass game like there's gonna be like blood flying around like it's gonna be an awesome game to watch prime time like it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to watch
1: well, look, let, let's just go through the Eagles' schedule. We talked about the Chiefs' schedule getting difficult. Okay, the Chiefs play the, the Dolphins, uh, and then they have their bye. Not surprisingly, the Philadelphia Eagles play the Cowboys, and then they have their bye, okay? And so here's, here's what happens, okay? Here's the Eagles' schedule, just so you know. They finish up right. the last two games of the year, Arizona and the New York Giants, okay? Gravy. Here's what happens between them. They play the Cowboys, bye. They play at Kansas City. They play Buffalo. They play San Francisco. They play the Cowboys again. They play Seattle. That's the next stretch of games for the Philadelphia. So let's just run through this again. Their next five or six games. Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle. That is as tough of a stretch... That you're going to see, and look, the Eagles have played great. They have the best record in the NFL. They were the last unbeaten team a year ago. I understand all of that. They have earned the right to hold the 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 mantra right now uh, as the best team in football.
2: But this stretch will determine their entire season. Well, there's no there's no doubt about it. Like like if you got to feel really good, if you can somehow, I say somehow, like if you can get a win against Dallas. Go on bye week, get healthy. Jalen Hurts bone bruise; it's it's hurting him a lot. You can tell he's not the same. And then go on a rest, and then just like win four of six. Like you got to put yourself in a like you're probably going to be in line for a one seed. I don't think you got to win them all. Like the whole thing on this this stretch. If they they win them all,
1: if they win them all, they are on their way. (laughs) They are on their way.
2: But like the biggest thing here is like get out unscathed, get out unhurt. And make a push for that one seed because that is huge. Like if you can come through Philly, win two games in Philly, and you're in the Super Bowl, like of course that's going to be awesome. But then you got Dallas as well. Like like Dallas to me is 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 trending up. We said it before. At the end of the day, this is going to put a lot of, of of stress on Philly. I think it's going it, to. I mean, it's it's easily the best matchup. But then you look at the Eagles. It's just like get in line and just get away to get some wins. Like get Jalen Hurts healthy. Get these receivers rolling again, and and who knows what'll happen, man. But it's it's all you're always in for fireworks when when the Eagles and Cowboys play each other.
1: Look, it's 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 a bare knuckle f- street fight. It always is. These two fan bases hate each other. Of course, the Eagles fans hate everybody, so that makes it easy. Everyone, they, no, but but they have a white hot passion hate for the Dallas Cowboys. And you know, we always talk about the thing that no one wants to talk about except when they don't have one. And that's offensive line. The Cowboys offensive line is really banged up. Uh, The Eagles offensive line is a little nicked up, not nearly as much as Dallas. How significant is that matchup in this game? What the Cowboys, which for years, the Cowboys offensive line was the strength of this team from 2016 on, but there have been changes. There have been injuries. How important is it for this Cowboys offensive line to hold up against a huge, fast, strong front seven for Philadelphia?
2: Well, I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's, it all starts in the trenches, right? Like any NFL coach will tell you in games like this in games of this magnitude where you just need a little bit extra time to throw the football or a little bit extra time to get to the passer. Like it starts in the trenches and you're right. Like the Cowboys offensive line banged up, not what they used to be. And you look at the Eagles, they're leading the national football league in pressures. Okay. Not sacks pressures. I know you like that stat, but pressures is the way to affect the quarterback. And when Dak is back there and he has all day, he's an all world beater. Okay, like like he really is like most quarterbacks in that in that category. If you can have three plus seconds to the ball, you are going to find someone open downfield. Dak will not have three seconds to throw the ball because I guarantee you they're going to try to affect him from the snap. I guarantee you, Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, is telling that team we have to hit Dak early and often, even if we uh, don't get to him, we have to affect him, a push, a shove, whatever it is, like just know we're there all day long and they're going to be coming after him all game long. Okay, so
1: you, you brought it up earlier and I want to have this discussion because um, it's it's kind of easy to do this now because one of the guys isn't playing. Justin Jefferson is still on injured reserve. Uh, you know, look, he, he was my first pick in my fantasy team and I'm hanging on without him. I hope he comes back mm-hmm. soon great Uh, but but do make sure you're healthy Josh Dobbs at quarterback exactly Uh, and then there's Tyreek Hill who is he's ridiculous I mean no one has his speed no one on football speed is as fast as Tyreek Hill he already has more touchdown receptions this year than he did all of last season all that being said and I can't be upset with you if you're if you feel differently tell me why AJ Brown isn't the best wide receiver in football right now as you just said six straight games Hundred and twenty-five yards. No one has ever done that in the history of the NFL. And he's not cheetah fast, but he's fast. And he's also a freaking terminator. Like remember the whole Miss the old Miss wide receiver room was AJ Brown and DK Metcalf oh one gosh. time. These two guys Mets. are tanks. I I don't think it's even from my perspective, I think it's clear right now that AJ Brown is the best wide receiver in football.
2: I totally agree with you, and 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 I do think that AJ Brown should be in the top three wide receivers. I don't think that he is like clear in a way the number one. He is playing though, like yeah. the number one um, receiver, and it, it, it's pretty impressive because what you said it's just like the physicality that he has, everything that he uses, and then he's on a he's like on a straight heater. Like, like the dude is, like, you look at the last six games and the stats he's put up. I know Tyreek's on pace for, you know, over 2,000. But you look at A.J. Brown, he's on pace for over 2,000, too. Like, it just keeps yeah. getting better and better. So, I like A.J. Brown. I don't know if I have him as my number one, though. Yeah. All right, so who would you have as number one? Would it be Tyreek? Uh, it's Tyreek, yeah. So, let's go. Let's let's rank him. Okay, for me, okay. it's Tyreek. Like, I think Tyreek is above and beyond the best receiver in the National Football League, not only from what he can do, um, from a speed standpoint, but also from a route running concept, ability, everything like that. But at the end of the day, it's just like speed. Okay. If you're putting Justin Jefferson, even though he's out, he's number two in me. Okay. I really, really, really like AJ Brown, but I, I go back and forth between AJ Brown and Devonte Adams. And then that next, that next, like who's number five, it's between Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, and honestly, a guy who doesn't get enough credit, Amon Ross St. Brown. Like, the dude oh, yeah. is balling right now. So, those um, are the top top receivers I have, in my opinion. Yeah, I uh, I, uh, I I can't disagree with you. I, I, I
1: just, for me right now, I would put A.J. Brown because of the heater he's on. Uh, then I would put Tyreek. And then it's really interesting. Like, where do you go? Amon Ross has got to be in that category. He, he balled out again in uh, – he balled out again in the win Monday night over the Raiders. We'll have that discussion, by the way, because <laughs> that that is a rotting carcass Ooh. of flesh uh, that we need to get into. Uh, and yes. I feel bad for Devontae because, uh, because Devontae obviously is like, wait a minute, I came here to play with Derek Carr, who was my college quarterback, and he's gone, and now I got guys. I mean, like, we'll get into it in a minute. We'll get into it in a minute. <laughs> (laughs) All right, we'll get into it. But before we go anywhere, we got a special guest on the show, and we want to bring him in right now. Obviously, trade deadline in the NFL. So we're delighted to be joined by the 33rd Team's Ari Mayrov, who, uh, you know, does this better and as well as anybody.
2: All right, let's talk about like Giant Seahawks. So obviously, big time trade for me. Leonard Williams heads over from the Giants to the Seahawks. He's spent his entire career in New York. He goes to Seattle. And for me, on the outside looking in, this looks like Seattle is saying, hey, We have a hell of a defense. We have a hell of a team. We're in win-now mode. What are you hearing right now about that?
3: That's exactly what it is. I mean, this offseason, they realized their offense – last year with Gino was awesome, and they decided to focus on defense. Like, they added obviously Witherspoon with the fifth pick, they added Julian Love, Draymond Jones, and a big contract. They have, they just signed Frank Clark, and now let's just get Leonard Williams as well. And after looking at these last few weeks, they've won a few games, the 49ers have lost a few games, all of a sudden we're in first place in the NFC West, let's go for it. So that's exactly what they're doing, and they paid a steep price, the second and fifth round pick, but this has become like the new norm in the NFL the last few years. Teams are willing to give up higher draft picks if the other team is going to pay most of the contract, and that's what's happening here. The Giants are paying like $9 million of the $10 million that's left. The Seahawks are getting Leonard Williams on the minimum for the rest of the year, and this happened with You know, J.C. Jackson to New England, Randy Gregory to um, San Francisco. When Von Miller was traded to the Rams, they got him for the Super Bowl run on a minimum contract, but they had to give up a second and a third, and I'm sure they were perfectly fine with that. So the Seahawks are fine with giving up a second-round pick if that means their defense gets better, they have a better chance at the division, and he's going to come big time come playoffs. And they think they have a legit shot in an NFC, which obviously is not as competitive as the AFC is right now.
1: Well, let me ask you something real quick on that because, you know, I'm wondering if the 49ers hadn't lost a third straight game and an interception hadn't gone straight off Jamal Adams' helmet, which allowed them to come <laughs> back against the Browns. I mean, like, it's kind of funny. Like, if those two things don't happen, I'm not sure this trade happens.
3: Well, I think they were still hunting for another guy in the defensive line. Like, before, when the Vikings were losing all those games before this Kirk Cousins injury, a lot of people thought the Neil Hunter to Seattle was a possibility. And then and Wosu went out for the rest of the year, and people thought that would for sure be a possible option. And, of course, Minnesota kept on winning games and it kind of went off the table. So they've been trying to add a defensive lineman for weeks now, and they went after Leonard Williams, who they believe will beef up that defensive line around all the great players that they already have. So this is a team that feels really, really good about what they are right now, and it definitely helps that the 49ers are losing right now as well.
2: And Ari, let me ask you about this, because as a former player, uh, you know, when we went to 17 games from 16 games, eventually we'll go to 18 games. Right now it's still in 17 games. The trade deadline has not moved at all. Tell me what you're hearing about that. I got to imagine, especially this time of year when teams are right in the thick of it, teams are in full fire cell mode. It's got to be really frustrating for them not to have at least one more week with an extra game. What are you hearing about that?
3: Yeah, this has been a conversation I've had with a bunch of people leading up to Tuesday's trade deadline, where people are, like you said, you add another game to the schedule, so shouldn't the entire rest of schedule also move one week over? So the trade deadline should be after this week, where everyone has another week to see where we are in the standings, in the conference, and you know if more injuries happen, and those type of things, and of course that's not happening, but I could see that being a conversation come the off-season and owner meetings, and those type of things, where They decide, you know what, and it's good for the league. They love the fact that, you you know, like during your time when you were playing early on, the trade deadline was a snooze fest. Literally nothing happened, and all of a sudden, it's become a thing. So if you move it down another week, that will probably result in more activity. So I would not be surprised if after this Tuesday ends, we'll start hearing more people bring this up, and eventually in the offseason when the NFL makes those changes, they discuss possibly moving the trade one week um, later than where it is right now.
1: Well, listen. One thing we know about the NFL—they're very interested in dominating the headlines at all times. <laughs> so, if they can move the trade deadline back to generate more interest, I'm pretty sure they're going to do it. Yeah. All right, thanks, man. We appreciate it.
3: Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: And, ladies and gentlemen, we are delighted to be joined on the show by our longtime running back in the NFL, star at Alabama, star with New Orleans, star with the Ravens, now a star on Fox. Big Truss
0: is here. Mark Ingram Ingross. joins the show. Big, big trust, Mark. Big. Appreciate you, Trey. Appreciate you, Chase, having me on, yeah. man. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Two of the goats, man. I respect y'all. I appreciate y'all. So it's good to be on with y'all. Oh, thank you, man. I, I, I
1: appreciate that. I always love watching you play. So before we get into anything else, how has the transition been? Like, you, you're you one of us, like, media dorks now. How, how's that working <laughs> out for you?
0: No, it's been great, man. It's been a tremendous blessing. And, uh, you know, be able to do my dream job for my entire life playing football in the league 12 years you know, college, high school, and now, you know, being able to transition smooth right into a great network, a great crew, great people support me, Um, from the producers to everyone, man, just been encouraging me, positive, helping me. And uh, it's just been a blessing, man, to be able to transition straight to it. I'm around football. I'm going to f- the best college football games every Saturday. And, um, man, it's great, man. So the transition's been great. Still a lot of work to do. Still a lot of improvement. Trying to be the best, man. So, the, you know the mission is still the same. You know the mission is still the same. Try and be the best at it, and just be an asset to um, be an asset to the network.
2: Obviously from like your days playing, like being in locker room with you, like we always knew like you were going to do something in TV. <laughs> like it was just meant to be like you've always done from your podcast with Cam Jordan to what right. you're doing now. And I know even last year you dipped your toes in it, talking to me a little bit about like, Hey, do I want to retire? Do I want to stay? Like, do I want to college? Do I wanna go college? I want to go NFL. Like what, what, what process chose you? And if you followed to, to actually like choose Fox to do this because like you're on one of the premier college football game okay. day shows and to yes. step into that role, dude, like I'm getting chills from right it's from the, the game. It's, it's like huge. huge. Like what led you that whole Like,
0: tell me all about that process. Cause I want to know. Okay. So basically like year 12, I mean, uh, yeah, like you're, yeah, I was, I was the beginning of year 12. I had just went through mini camp and stuff. And my, uh, my agent calls me like, yo, like, um, I think Fox might have an opportunity for you. I'm like, what you mean? You know what I mean? And, and um, he was saying with their with their big noon, and I was like, man. Wow. So I was I just had finished minicamp. This was about you know a year and a half ago. I'm like, bro, I just finished minicamp. Like you know, I'm I on playing <laughs> this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. like I thought about it for like a week. I'm like, damn, like, like. This is you guys are offering me my dream job, but I'm still employed by my dream yes. job, right? And so yes. I'm like, can we do like a futures deal or something? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? And I didn't did end up working like that. But, um, don't so work I that way. Up, Yeah, I ended up playing my 12th year, and, um, and it was something that I felt like I probably would have regretted if I didn't do it. And so, um, I came, okay, so I finished my 12th year. I'm a free yeah. agent, I'm still working, and the, the, the job, the opportunity presents itself one more time. So they called me like, yo, like, the job is back on the table. Like, we, we're trying to work some stuff out, you know, with the previous, you know, uh, cast or whatever. And um, it ended up falling in my lap where it was the job was available. The opportunity was available to me. I wasn't signed. I wasn't a free agent. I mean, I wasn't signed. I was still a free agent. I was still working out. And obviously, I still, wanna, I still wanted to play. But, you know, if it, if it wasn't like a contender that really truly made sense, Like if I was going to play, how much, how, how much longer do I play? Maybe one, maybe two at the most. If I I take this job opportunity, I can grow in it. And like you said, a premier position, these positions open up often. So I ended up just praying on it. My family was like, yeah, you need to do that. And, uh, and so I ended up just taking the job, man. And it was an amazing decision, man. And it's a blessing. And I'm I'm so thankful. I'm excited with the job. Um, I'm watching film. I'm going to football games. I'm with a great crew. I'm with the great network, and so that's kind of the story of it. They offered that's it to awesome. me. I didn't take it. Then it came back to me again. So it was like it was like God, like you know, validating. Yes. It. Like, yo, like hey, yes. you need to do this. So no,
1: no, it was they, they they really wanted you. If they were going to wait for a year, there's no yeah. question about it. Yeah. Well, but,
0: but it, it was a promise, mark. you know. What I mean, yeah. it was a promise, you know. I think, uh, you know, they had signed a one-year deal, and then. I guess it didn't come back through, you know what I mean? So the position was yeah, back again. Yeah.
1: So it yeah, just ended up
0: working out in my favor. And uh, like I said, it was like God validating that opportunity for me.
1: All right. Well, you, you said something really interesting there. You, were, you wanted to play year 12, okay? And that's been the discussion this entire – well, actually, it's, it's funny. It sort of came amplified this year because this has been a thing going on for six or seven years. Running backs not getting the deals that they wanted, mm-hmm. You right. know, and, and oh, like, you know, Saquon through all that stuff, got a one-year deal with a little more money. You uh, same thing with Josh Jacobs, one year deal with a little more money. Um, wh- where are you on trying to defend the position, right? Because you played 12 years. You played yeah. 12 years in the league. So where are you on, on trying to help people understand why you think the running back position
0: should be more valued? I think the running back should be more valued because what they bring to an offense is priceless. Running the ball inside, running the ball outside, picking up pass protection, uh, coming out the backfield catching the ball. Like I think when you produce at a high level and the energy and like the heartbeat of the team sometimes runs through the running back, you know what I mean? Unless you're like a, uh, sometimes Patrick Mahomes, whenever when, even when they get one dimensional, they struggle. Um, you know, Tom Brady, you know, unless you have players like that, a quarterback like that who are generational, you need a runner back. You need a runner that can, you know, take some pressure off of that quarterback, especially in cold weather in the playoffs, tough physical games. Like the, the value that a running back brings to a team is priceless. And when you have somebody who is doing the right things in the community, doing the right things as a teammate, and they're putting their blood, sweat, and tears into a position, I feel like they should be compensated for that. Yes, running backs are at high risk of getting injured, but other positions are as well. We've seen Aaron Rodgers in the fourth play, Achilles. Um, Kirk Cousins, Achilles. Yeah. You see Stephon Diggs, ACL. So being um, – I mean, not, I mean uh, excuse me, not Stephon Diggs. I'm sorry, Stephon. Um <laughs> Uh, his brother, you know, my brother, yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, Stefan, <laughs> that was on me, you know what I mean. <laughs> but nah, um, being a football player, you're in a very physical and uh, you know, it's very physical and it's tough, and any position could be injured. So just saying, the running back, you know what I mean, like it hurts me, it hurts my heart because. So many guys put their blood, sweat, and tears into an organization, into a team, and they're not being compensated for it. So I think it's, it's, it hurts me. It hurts me a lot. So,
2: so like, I'm, I'm on your end of that spectrum because, like, I've been around so, so long, and I've seen all these running backs just get completely, like – I mean, especially as of late. Like, Jonathan Taylor got the bag a little bit, right? Like, he right. held out. Right. They ended up coming around and doing it. Like, what, in your opinion – how does it change moving forward? Because you saw, like, Austin Eckler and those guys get on Zoom calls, get with their agents, get with their PA. Like, do you think – I mean, you can't collude, obviously, but do you think there's teams coming together just saying, hey, like, let's just not pay? And that's a big accusation. I'm not saying they are, but, like, mm-hmm.
0: it, eventually it seems like like something like that is going on. Yeah. I, I Because how you just say, like, okay, we're not going to pay this dude more than this, and not one other team who needs a runner doesn't pay him a certain amount of like, – Come on now, like something is going on. Something's going on like you're saying we're going to cap the running backs at 4 million or 5 million, whatever it may be. Now, one team who needs a premier runner will pay 6 or 7 or 8 or whatever it be. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just speaking numbers, you know what I mean? But Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just feel like there's something going on because how does no, like they're capping, they're capping like the ceiling for the running back and nobody will go above it? So there has to be something going on. You know, who knows if it's colluding? Who knows what it is, but it's just highly unfortunate the position that the running backs are in, especially because you're locked into a CBA, especially because uh, you can't force the GMs or the owners to pay more than what they're going to pay. So it's kind of like as running backs in the NFL right now, they're handcuffed and all you can do is kind of just control what you can control right now, which is how you your attitude, your preparation. How you produce? You can't control your role. You know what I mean. But so you have to be able to have the right attitude, the right mindset, and go out there and produce. And hopefully, somebody will compensate you for your work and for your value. Look, he, I agree
1: with you, and it's unfortunate. Now, here's where I get—I'll I'll play the bad guy, right? I'll be the bad guy. I know, anymore. Trey.
0: I know you be. I, I know. I know you back him up.
1: <laughs> no, I, no, be no, no, you, I be seeing I your no, tweets no, and I, stuff. I, I, listen, I want everybody to get paid because I—I believe that all players like. They have a short window and they need to maximize their opportunities. Yeah. Okay, like you playing twelve years is rare, but you, you you sort of said it. Like Saquon wanted more money, they gave him a little more money, and he gets hurt this year. And you mentioned you mentioned Mahomes, right? Isaiah Pacheco is the driving force of that running game, yes. and he's a, he's a seventh round pick. Yeah, and you, you look at when they won their first Super Bowl, Damian Williams was. Undrafted, they keep re-signing Jarek McKinnon to one-year deals, and I think he was a second or third or even a fourth-round pick a few years ago. And the one time they used a first-round pick uh, in 2020 on Clyde edwards Alaire, you know, he's getting spot duty. So it's not that it's not valued. I think they, I think that a lot of play, uh, general managers specifically, think they can get a better value on the dollar
0: with the running back position. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. It- yeah i do i do agree with you and in the pacheco instance i think that's a miss on the teams that he yes. felt in the seventh round yes i correct. feel that's yes. a miss on the teams. you're not going to get a player like pacheco all the time as an undrafted free agent or in the seventh round you know what i mean like so i feel like that was more so on a you know they misvalued him i mean they 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 missed you know scouted him correct as a, like you know, I think he was a higher graded player than when he went. You know what I mean? Yes. So yeah, yeah. I do agree with you in that in that instance, like but in every instance it's not the case. You're not gonna find yeah. a better runner than B. John Robinson undrafted. Yeah. You're not gonna find a better runner than Jameer Gibbs in the seventh round. You're not gonna Correct. find a better yeah. runner than those type of players, like undrafted. You know, you might get some every now and then that that are productive, that yeah. uh can be uh, you know, a catalyst for your offense running the ball, receiving the ball, but More times than not, you're not going to get a more talented, high-ceiling player undrafted than you are if you draft a guy like Jameer Gibbs or if you draft a guy like Bajan Robinson or if you take a guy in the second round like you did Derrick Henry. Like, you know what I mean? So I do think those positions are still valuable, and they should be drafted high. But, um, yeah, man, I understand the business of it, like where they want to go from. It just sucks. It just kind of sucks. it does. It does. It just kind of sucks. Like I said, the backs are handcuffed right now especially being in the CBA. And who knows, like, do you have some type of allocated sum of money to, if they hit these benchmarks, do they get, you know, extra monies? But, like, I don't know. Yeah, that's what what I was going to ask.
2: What's the solution? What's the solution? That, like,
0: what's the solution in your mind? So I heard some interesting things, like, right? Like, um, I forget who who mentioned it, but, like, yeah, do we have a sum of, of money that's allocated to players that are being devalued that, like, okay, if they hit, this certain amount of snaps, if they hit this certain amount of yards, if they hit this certain amount of t- touchdowns, it triggers like a bonus for them. I don't know, yes. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's just, um, it's tough because you you don't want to take money away from you know like a, like the player performance. You don't want to go that route. Yeah, but is it's there another of? The of yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there another so, is, is there another pot of money that can be available to positions that aren't being valued as such? You know I what I mean? I don't money. know. Yeah. I'm open, for, I'm yeah, I'm open for discussion, bro. I'm open yeah, for let's discussion. Listen, yeah, there, it's there, a, it's a hard pots. solution. There are pots of money. They stay in the owner's pockets. like that's... Exactly. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> They I just mean, stay you got, there. You got your boy, uh, what's the earth say? He talking about bringing a whale across the country for 20 oh million. I'm like, yeah. if you won't pay your boy. You won't pay your bell cow. But we want to bring the fish <laughs> and, and relocate him. like. Well, see so, that, I mean, that's, but
1: see that's the problem. There's no salary cap on whale transports, so that's, that's exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, it's, 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 it's so tough, man. It sucks, man. That's it so sucks fun. for the running backs, man. Yeah, it but does. I'm, yes. I'm really, I'm really interested in seeing how it can be justified and how these guys can yeah. be taken care of. Because if you yeah. keep going this route, the best players in high school and middle school they're not going to play running back anymore. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? So and the running back position will die. And which has been one of the most pivotal and exciting positions in all of football. So, yeah, hopefully it gets better, man. Keep keep, keep balling out, RBs. RBs. Let's go. RBs.
1: RBs. Let's go. Big time. All right, speaking of balling out, one of your former teammates is really balling out this year, and that's Lamar. Mm. Uh, You know, it's a new offense. It's a new offense under Todd Munkin. There were some concerns about how it was going to work. And Lamar has been playing at an MVP level. What are you seeing in Lamar's game that's different this year as opposed to the years when you played with him?
0: I don't think anything's different other than them taking the leash off of him a little bit. Expanding oh, okay. the offense. Yeah. Giving him more um giving him more control of the offense. The route concepts are a little bit more in-depth. Um we're with Greg Roman, he's a great offensive coordinator, but you you go back to like, you know, when he was in San Fran, it was Kaepernick, it was Frank Gore, it was it was uh, Vernon Davis. It was very running back and yeah. tight end center. And when I got to Baltimore, it was still kind of running back and tight end center, which Lamar did a good job of, but that's why you see a lot of the number one receivers weren't happy yes. there because yeah. the route concepts were kind of simple. Uh, they kind of, you know, kept it close to the vest. The, 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 it was very vanilla, you know, the route concepts. And now I think they're opening up the offense for him, um, giving him the keys to the offense a little bit more. And now you're seeing him be, as, a, as a pass, Thrive as a passer, you know, thrive as a pocket passer. Obviously, he is elite with his legs and uh a, a, an elite ball carrier. He's not a quarterback scrambling. He's a, when he runs with the ball, he's an elite athlete, like a, a punt returner or a runner or a wide receiver with the ball in their hands. But now you're seeing that the offense has opened up for him and he's being able to thrive in the passing game, which he has always been able to do. I was with Trey. I was with Chase. I was with Drew Brees. I've seen these guys make all the throws into the cover two, reading cover three. Like, you know what I mean? Reading uh, coverages and delivering all the passes deep out, post, deep ball, whatever, deep out, deep in, like over routes. I've seen him make all these. I went to uh Baltimore yeah. and I saw him make all these throws in, in in my first training camp with him. I'm like, yo, what is everybody saying? Like this dude can't throw. You know what I mean? Because he can make all the throws. But I'm thinking that you're seeing an offense where he's comfortable. They're giving him more keys. They're making the route concepts a little bit more, um, you know, elaborate for him, and he's yeah. thriving in it. So I'm happy for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, dude, it just looks like Todd Munkin from my – I mean, like you tweeted the, the breakdown out of me because I thought Lamar needed to get his flowers. I thought he played his best game a couple weeks ago. And you saw, like, for me, it's those receivers, man. They got OBJ, Rashad yeah. Bateman, Zay Flowers looks like a star in the making. And he is really the one that is out there going out. And he's just a distributor of the ball, right? Like not only is he making plays with his feet, but he's making plays – With his arm, and it looks to me, I don't know, you could probably tell me because you know, but like that Todd Munkin system, it took a
0: while for everyone to get get together, but it's looking real nice right now. Yeah, but like you said, those receivers, they got playmakers on the outside. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, they invested into the outside, the outside playmakers this year, and then Mark Andrews is still a man. You know what I mean? Then you got Gus Edwards, still Pat Ricard, still the running game, so – That thing is just coming together, and uh, they look dangerous. They look dangerous up there in Baltimore.
1: Well, not only that, their defense is absolutely suffocating this year. That's the thing nobody talks about. The Ravens' defense has been absolutely (laughs) amazing. That's what they've
0: always been known for is a tough defense. You know the Ravens are going to play defense, right? So last year when the defense was kind of struggling a little bit, that was uncharacteristic. Now they're back. They're getting turnovers. They're getting pressure on the quarterback. They got two linebackers in the middle. They got Marlon Humphrey. All the, the secondary is is balling, you know what I mean. The D lines balling. The Ravens are playing Ravens football right now. They're playing tough defense. They're playing electric on offense. That's that's Ravens do you, football. Do
2: you think they have enough to get to the Super Bowl? Do you do you like I, this Ravens team in years past? Do you think they can make a
0: run for it? I do. I do think they can make a run for it. Now, obviously, you got to continue to improve. You got to win the games that yep. matter. And unfortunately, haven't been able to win the games. You know, to put them over the hump. You know what I mean? Like when I was there, we went to we were the number one seed. We lost in divisional. The next year we lost yes. uh, in the divisional. Uh, we lost in the divisional again. So um and then you just have to be able to when it's time, you gotta be able to perform. They have the team, yeah. they have the the playmakers, they have the coaches. It's just when it's time in those playoffs, you have to be able to get over the hump. And I think they are on pace to be able to do that.
1: You know, it's funny. You you, you were a big part of two franchises that you you were a real core player in. So when someone says to you, "Okay, Mark Ingram, your NFL career, do you consider yourself a Raven or do you consider yourself a saint?
0: (laughs) Um, I'm a Raven for life, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I spent I spent almost 10 years in New Orleans. They drafted me. They, They traded back for me from from Houston. Which I appreciate, Houston, because they let me, they signed me, and they believed in me, and they gave me an opportunity to be a starter running back in year in year eleven. If I hadn't shown that I could produce at a high level, the Saints would have never traded back for me. So yes, was I in a? It it was a tough spot in Houston. Yes, and I appreciate them. They were always real with me. They were always honest with me. But the Saints also came back and traded for me in a tough situation. We were one and six in Houston, so they traded back for me. So I'm always, (laughs) I'm black and gold for life. You know what I mean? They drafted me um obviously uh you know career leader in rushing yards there, career leader in rush td's there which is going to be broke it's going to be broke by alvin pretty soon here probably this week yeah. but um yeah. i was going to break all the all the saints records known to man he's a beast but um yeah i'm definitely a saint first uh and uh but i'm a raven for life those two did, years I had did you did you officially retire yet I did not officially retire. Oh,
2: and if you, if it, I'm not saying it. Hey, weird. all three of us have yet, not either.
1: officially retired. All three of us have officially retired.
2: However, are <laughs> you, <laughs> do, would, you, right. would you, so you're telling me you're going to go in as a saint, right? Like that's, that's what it is, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to retire yeah. as a saint yeah. Yeah. and I'll probably You do heard it here special. first. Yeah. I'll probably do something special with, with, with the Ravens as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, my yeah. God, those two years I had with the Ravens, especially 2019 was probably one of the most fun years I ever had playing football, wow. man we had some special teams in New Orleans, 17, 18. Those were some amazing years. But that 2019 year, it was just something special about the year. Lamar won an MVP. We won 12 games in a row. We were the one seed. Wow. And, and uh, unfortunately, it didn't end how we wanted to. But the Raven has a special place in heart, too. Well, as they should. And listen, I, 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 we won't take up too much of your time. But I, You I guys are good. To... We, we could chop it up for a while, man. The kids will be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Halloween. They're excited. They'll be in here soon making noise. So, but but I, 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 just, I, just, I just have to tell this story
1: because, like, everyone knows the name Mark Ingram from your days at Alabama and getting drafted. When I hear the name Mark Ingram, I think of one of the greatest catches I've ever seen in Super Bowl history. Yep. Your dad playing for Bill Parcells Giants as a wide receiver, Super yep. Bowl 25, 20-19, the Giants upset the Buffalo Bills, mm-hmm. I think it was like a third and eight play, and your dad think, caught the pass, I think within three yards of the line of scrimmage, and yeah. broke like eight tackles, like, yeah. it wasn't, if it's, it's not an aesthetically pleasing Tyree kill going crazy over the middle play, but... God damn it, your dad would not yeah. go down. He did yeah. not go down, and they got the first down on that drive, and I think that was the drive that gave them the go-ahead touchdown in the game. Yeah. It's still one of the greatest catches I've seen in
0: Super Bowl history. Yeah. Hey, man, that was legendary, and uh, I appreciate you saying that, man. It makes me proud to uh, when when people say, oh, I was a big fan of your dad. I watched your dad, or you telling me that about my dad making that catch. Like, that was a crazy catch. He catched the ball, ducked, Binks one hit like stumbling forward on one leg. That <laughs> yeah. turns down, like you said, let led him to uh But he had some big moments, man. That play, obviously the fake spike from Dan Marino, that was yeah. him too. Um, So, you know, big legacy, oh, man. man. We all about the legacies, man. My pops and then pops did 10 years, won a Super Bowl. I did 12 years, got a Heisman National Championship, and now my son, he needs to go ahead and just make both of us look like <laughs> You know what I mean? So No, no Marcus, pressure, kid, no pressure. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah, he no pressure.
1: You loading up. That's <laughs> uh, no, great, no, but if you haven't seen that play, Google it, YouTube it. It's one of the greatest catches and runs afterwards, just you'll ever see. It's just it's remarkable. So yeah, it was, anyway, it was, it was, Yeah, I, I couldn't let you leave without without uh, without no, bringing awesome. up that story. Listen, yeah. man, continued success, Mark. We appreciate the time, and and maybe in the off season we'll get together and figure out the running back situation.
0: Man, we oh, gotta sure. do something for the RBs, man, because they ain't doing my dogs right, man. <laughs> they ain't doing my dogs right, man. I feel you. So I feel yeah. you. All right, Chase, I how the golf, golf game, me. man. Chase how the
2: golf hey, game, man. Yeah, we yeah, that's what Tra- that's what Trey Trey's in Hawaii right now, man. He's just playing golf every day. My golf game, man, I haven't played in like three weeks. So the golf game is struggling right now. I'm playing next week with Drew, and uh he's like he- he's gonna take my money, man. Cause I'm telling you right <laughs> now, man, I am not in yeah. shape
0: to play that Dang. golf. I need to get on that in the on the pitching range, man. Hey bro, that short game is where you can stay in the strokes oh at, you know what I mean? Getting up and down from par, you know what I mean? Trey yeah, would probably take all of that. Money. What's you soon, Trey? What you out there what? shooting? You you probably a single digit over there, huh?
1: Eh, we're we're hovering around the single digits. The consistency yeah. is not there. But I'm committed to the effort. That's the most important yeah. thing. I'm committed <laughs> to the effort. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome, man. Mark, we appreciate your time. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate All right. You mentioned Devontae Adams earlier. Uh, The Monday night game was just a disaster. The Raiders' offense, even though it got a a pit six, the Raiders' offense still has not scored 20 points in a game. They have not crossed the 20-point plateau. Jimmy G is back. Um, You know, I I saw a throw from Jimmy G in that game that reminded me of everything that sort of summed up Jimmy Garoppolo's career. Devontae Adams was wide open, and he missed him. It reminded me of Super Bowl 54 when Emmanuel Sanders got behind the Chiefs' secondary for a touchdown in the final minute of the game that would have given them the lead and he missed it. The frustration level is so high for the Raiders right now. They had that team meeting where nothing was off the table, and they all pointed out and called everything out, and it didn't do shit. Like, they're, yeah. they are a hot mess. What's it like in a situation like that where you saw the frustration chase uh, on Devontae Adams' face? What's it like as a player when you know, guys, despite our best efforts, we aren't good enough?
2: I mean, I just, I honestly like the story was Devonte Adams and just how, I mean, he should have had a 98 yard touchdown and he should have had a 68 yard touchdown. He should have had 10 more catches. And it's not like they're not throwing to him. He shouldn't have a quarterback. Look, like at the end of the day, I tweeted and threaded, yes, I said threaded out this Check video. Yeah, Threads Adams. is growing. Yeah. yeah, Threads is growing. And Devontae Adams throwing his helmet down, everyone saw it. It was a viral clip. And honestly, like, I just felt bad. I felt bad for him that he's in that situation. And, and people are like, well, he's getting paid a ton of money. He signed. Okay, he didn't sign up for that. He signed up to go play with one of his best friends, Derek Carr, yep. at his favorite team at, at the Raiders. Okay, none of that is the case. Like, like, the offense looks absolutely ridiculous. Like, you go and you get embarrassed by Tyson Bagent and the Chicago right. Bears, and then you go to, on prime time, you go to Detroit. And honestly, it's, it, didn't, it didn't, like, start too bad for them. I mean, it was 16-14 in the third quarter, and at the end of the game, well, the Lions sort that's of that's because the Lions were trying to keep an audience. Pick I mean, six, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, but, they, they were like, trying. The fact, the fact that they scored one touchdown, and they haven't scored over 20 points, like, to me, like, it, it starts and ends with the coaching, that's at the end of the day. And, and, and Jimmy G, obviously, like, he was not healthy. So it's like, okay, yeah. who, who's, who's the next guys in line? Is it Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, or Jimmy G? Well, I guess a 50% Jimmy G is better than 100% of either of those guys. And so it's just a yeah. frustrating situation to be in, especially as a player when you know you have an elite, an elite talent in Devontae Adams and you are not able to get him the football.
1: Yeah, it's, the frustration level is so high right there. You can see it. And, and they're all thinking and we got nine games left. We got nine games left to this. Yes, day. so we'll yes. see what happens going forward. All right, I know it's a big night for you, Halloween. You went out a the Talladega theme thing. Uh, what is the plan? What is the Chase Daniel family plan? How do you attack Halloween?
2: Yeah, well, you know what this is. So, like, we live in a neighborhood that really just—it's a bunch of older people, and and they really don't do Halloween. Hey, right? I, rese- so I resemble years, that remark.
1: What are you talking yes, about?
2: Yes, and you and you—we you, like you are neighbors that people just hate Halloween. Okay, so we took them <laughs> last year for the first time. And they hit like three houses okay and the houses that they hit the lights were off and you had to go in but they got so spoiled because every one of the houses had the big candy bars i'm like this is not what halloween is like but anyway tonight we're going to a different neighborhood because our neighborhood sort of stinks for halloween uh and we got like a go-kart we're dressing up as mario preston my kid my son is six He's going to be Mario. My wife is going to be Luigi. Uh, my middle daughter is going to be Princess Peach. Our two-year-old is going to be Toad. And then yours truly is going to be Bowser with a full costume, shell, everything like that. So it'll be fun tonight. I'm going to take lots of pictures. I'm going to send it. It's going to be a little bit uh, probably of a later night. we got to party. we got to do this. And then, and then the best thing no. about Halloween, though, the kids Poor come you. in to the house right and they dump all their candy and they sort it and then they trade it just like we used to do back in the day it was awesome yeah
1: except i always stole the kids candy are you sorting it that's one for me you two for you one for me one for you three for me that's the way
2: are you guys even going to put out candy do you get trick-or-treaters in Hawaii? do they do that over there they do we just won't be participating oh my gosh (laughs) that's ridiculous we got other plans we're well, we're okay. going we, right. we got we got other
1: plans. We're going to we got to do a little island hopping, but that's a separate issue. Okay. All right. All, all right. right, man.
0: Yeah.
1: Huge week in the NFL. Swing swing games that could really determine some real real number 1 yeah. seeds. So we'll see what happens. Chase, always good. Stay safe. Don't eat too much,
2: all right? All right. I will. Not not too much candy. We're good.